G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Wes, uh, when I, uh, I picked up those uh, few thoughts from your website and there is something different about the way you do coaching as a business coach because you're really so out there and unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God uh, in the lives of people for salvation. And business is different when you're a Christian because we have this inner understanding, the inner presence of God living within us, and therefore things are different. They definitely are. And um, you've only got to read the Bible to, to see that it calls us to a much higher standard in life all across the board, including business. And um, you know, if we look at the, the economy that we have right now, it's... You know, it's it's based on a skewed version of capitalism. Capitalism was originally going to business, make more money than you need, have some yourself, and give the rest away to benefit society. And everybody had a sense of duty to give, uh, or you know, to to use their business to to make society a better place. And that's been stolen. And uh, and so it's about time we raised up enough people to take it back. Uh, let me ask you about uncertainty which comes to mind as you start to talk about that because the idea of making enough money to live on and giving a lot away uh, some people will say well you know what things are uncertain in the world today Uh, how do I juggle that as a Christian in business because you know I would like to be a person who gives away a lot of money but because of their uncertainty into the future because I've got a family who are expecting an inheritance all of those sorts of things how do you deal with sort of uncertainty type issues in the heart of a Christian business person well I think if you if you're trying to run a business the same way that the world does then yes you're gonna you're gonna suffer from uncertainty because the capital markets are manipulated every single day the the global economy is so fragile that uh, that of course you know anything could happen it generally doesn't but it could um, but I think the the only way that you can have certainty is to dig deep in your faith and apply that to your business. Because, I mean, I'm pretty certain that God's going to be here tomorrow. I'm pretty certain that God's promises in the Bible are yes. So I think I would just put my certainty on those things. And, uh, and in my experience, you know, nine companies, um, 15, 16 years of business, which isn't you know, the world's longest um, run in business, but in all of those times, it's been the, it's been the godly bits that stood the test of time and the rest just comes and goes. Where some people will say it's a dog-eat-dog world out there and uh, it is tough for business people and the idea of being a Christian in business in a dog-eat-dog world means that sometimes I feel like my own ethics need to compromise. Uh, What are your thoughts? Jesus told us it was going to be exactly like that. In fact, uh, in a slightly different setting, he gathered his disciples together and said, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. He, He didn't paint a pretty picture and so we shouldn't be surprised that it's, you know, it's not pretty out there. Um, but but ultimately, I think you've got to you know you've got to learn to be good at business. You've got to learn to be good at marketing. You've got to learn to be good at sales. You've got to be learn to be a good leader. And uh, and of course, like you know, the minute you drop your morals, you're walking outside of supernatural. Um, you know, we are called to righteousness, and 
that is a very hard line to walk. That's why it's called a narrow road. Um, you know, what what's required is the people that say, well, even if it's tough, I'm going to choose the narrow path. And in my experience, we can't shortcut long suffering. So, you know, that there might be a period of time that we have to go through where we actually see God move in business. And, um, and uh, that might be a bit ideal. And I used to think that was a nice ideal. Uh, but, the, you know, the longer I walk with, with God in business, the more I realize that he actually picks up the slack that we can't do. Um, you know, when we when we can't compete on the same ground as unrighteousness, but we stand anyway, he generally picks up the slack after a period of time. Well, let's get into the sort of topic we want to talk about today and invite listeners to participate in. If you've got a business idea you'd like to shoot the breeze with today on our business coach, Wes Hone, our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's talk about this idea of having an aspiration. If you are a person, maybe you've been working for an employer or you're a public servant or whatever role that you might have had. Maybe you're unemployed and you've got some sort of ideas about doing something that might get you off the unemployment queue and you want to get into business and do something significant. Uh, having an aspiration, and I did mention a little earlier on before we did this uh, introduction, uh, that the idea of Christians having a certain entrepreneurism about them, uh, this is pretty significant. So I imagine there's a lot of people listening to our conversation today who might be thinking, you know what, I have some aspirations. I better listen a little bit intently. What is it to have an aspiration as a Christian believer to do something in business? Well, I think it's essential. I think if we, if we go back to the reason why God would put that on the heart of many people, um, business is the funding model to change culture. So business commerce, if you want another word, is God's way of driving the revenue to take the gospel of you know the kingdom around the world. It's, it's funded largely, the move of God is funded largely by people in business. And so that's the reason why God loves business. He loves it. Well, I mean, everybody you read about in the Bible was either in one or run one. So God's very into this thing called business and commerce, and he tells us a lot about how to do it. I, I think ultimately if there is a if there's something in somebody's heart that says, yeah, I've got an aspiration to be in business, I think you've just got to go all in. You cannot be like one day I'll do it or one day I might do this or I might dip my toe in the water. Dipping your toe in the water in business is a, is a massive mistake because it requires so much attention to get the job done that you've got to go all in or all out. And um, and when you go all in, it takes time. You know, a lot of people, we live in an instant coffee world. People want, you know, the the, the Mark Zuckerberg by Friday, you know, and uh, and the truth is uh, the first three, four, five years of business are your, on, you know, are your, that's when you're learning the game, you know, and uh, they're the apprenticeship years. And so, You've just got to go in knowing that you, you don't make all of your money in your apprenticeship. You make it afterwards. So you go in, you've got to learn business in those first two, three, four, five years. For a lot of people, and perhaps we're not talking about school leavers here who have not a lot of uh, of experience, but people who are adults, uh, they perhaps feel as though they've missed some opportunities in the past. They may be working for someone who is already a, a business person who's being successful and and I guess there's already a lot of learning that's happened in the time, in the experience that you've had working for another boss. Uh, and sometimes we feel like, well, the boss has all all the the know how, but but really we're sort of we're, we're what's in inside us is being permeated with some understanding of how business runs. And and I guess you've got to hone that to a point where you can actually do something yourself. 
Yeah, so business is not um, – it's irrespective of age. You know, I meet some young people and they have they have good traits and bad traits. When I say young, you know, the under the under 30s, they have a huge amount of energy. Um, they have a huge amount of um, social good. Uh, they also can't clean their bedroom, so that's an interesting mix. Then, you know, you've got right up to the other end of the spectrum, you've got these people who, you know, they might be knocking on their 50s, 60s and 70s and it's never, ever, ever too late. And see, the benefit they have is they've seen the world through a lot longer period of time. They've also got no ego left by the time they hit that point. And so that's a perfect combination to go into business. And and there are there are countless stories of people who started in their 80s and have become global names. And there's something to be said for the wisdom that you collect through life and using it. You know, you're not going to take too many crazy risks. You're going to be smart with your money. So it doesn't matter what age you are, there's, there's, there's benefits to doing it, but it's never, ever too late to start something. Let me just uh, backtrack for a moment. Uh, the idea of not being able to clean your bedroom, uh, is there something in there that might give you some sort of an indicator that maybe you're not quite ready to go into business on your own yet? I mean, uh, I don't know, is that uh, am I digging too, uh, too deep here? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of successful business people who don't clean their bedroom quite well. But, but is there something, if you were saying, I, if I'm making some sort of self, self-assessment as to my capacity to be able to attend to the details, uh, to look after loose ends, uh, to be able to do things efficiently, is, uh, is cleaning the bedroom a sort of an illustration that you can pick up on? I don't know that it is, but if somebody was smart, they would make an app on how to clean a bedroom and then you get the kids doing it in no time. <laughs> yes. but, but, but think about the kids that can't clean their room can run a $1 billion McDonald's franchise. So it can be done. So it's, it's, not, it's not like they're, you know, that they're, it's all over for them. Um, it's just that you've got to give them tracks to run on and uh, and reward them well and, and, and pat them on the back and make them feel good every five minutes. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, if, if you're the kind of person that's not into detail, business by default will sort that out because you'll just fall in a heap every day if you're not. Of course, after a period of time, you can just employ people to do the detail and, and then you become the creative genius and then life gets a lot easier. Uh, this is an interesting concept to pick up on too, creative genius, because some people are scatterbrained uh, on a whole lot of different areas in looking after some of the details, but they are there's something about them. There's something inspirational. There's something with a leadership bent. There's something with a capacity to, to move forward and actually achieve something. And so just because you might be a bit of a scatterbrained individual doesn't necessarily rule you out of being a person who can be successful in business. I mean, the the biggest brands in the world are run by people that are highly creative and not very good at detail. Now, they would have forced themselves to be good at enough detail to keep moving. But, um, you know, like Steve Jobs had Wozniak to help him out. Like if it wasn't for Wozniak, we would have no Apple. You know, he was the guy that did the did the work behind the scenes. And, and Richard Branson had his whole team of, biz, you know, guys behind him who, if you read their stories, did all of the work, you know. So, so I guess, you know, you need that two sides of the brain. But, again, there's a lot of people who aren't creative in which case you've just got to find the people that are and, and do a partnership. I guess, though, you've got to start with an idea, haven't you? You might have an aspiration, but the aspiration usually is going to be accompanied by an idea, and it's something you do well. How do you make that assessment as to what sort of business you might pursue? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question, and I get asked it all the time from people who are about to start in business. And I say stop being romantic about the products and services and just realize that the first one you start is only your apprenticeship anyway. So like just I would just go with what actually am I good at? Like to start with what am I actually okay at? What like God said to Moses, what's in your hand? I would start there because it's probably not going to be the business that you take 
you know, and list on the stock exchange in 10 years' time. It's probably just going to be something that you do to learn accounting and marketing and sales and numbers. So I would just go with what you're already good at. I wouldn't want the barrier of also learning business and also learning something new. That that's I think that's too much of a jump. I just go with what, what, am, what can I actually do today that people are already paying for and just go and do it slightly better than everybody else. We've been hearing all sorts of publicity in the media about people who are going to university and earning a degree and then they can't get a job in their degree. I mean, is uh, is there a sense in which you have to be specially qualified, do you think, to do uh, whatever form of business? I guess, uh, I guess if you're saying don't be too romantic about it, uh, you might have a degree in engineering and at the moment there's not many engineering jobs but you might have a great idea for a business is that the sort of thing that you could you could uh, you could potentially use some of those skills and that understanding you've learned to actually do something but it might not even be in the engineering field i mean i, I personally i mean this is a little bit controversial perhaps but i personally think that uh, you know tertiary education is getting more and more overrated i don't think i think the letters after your name don't matter to anybody anymore i think i think now, that, that usually only offends the people that have given up six years of their life and a huge amount of money to get a certificate. Um, but if you're talking about business, uh, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, which is not my gig, that's probably essential. But in business, no one really cares if you've got letters after your name. They care about, can you give me a great product or a great solution to my problem? And if you can, whatever, however you do that will be the thing. And and so there's all these people that race out and get a degree in engineering and then end up pushing a, a lawnmower. But they'll make way more money building a lawnmower business than they ever will being an engineer. So I just think, you know, I, I, I never I never had the disadvantage of university. I just went straight out into business. And so for me, that's just the way that I would do it. Then you've got people who are developers of technology. Maybe they're inventing products. Uh, but there's all sorts of elements that create the success for a product. And and business isn't just about the developing of a new product or an invention, but there are the people who market that product. Is there something we can sometimes sell ourselves short on because we say, I didn't invent a new product, I, I can't go into business. But the actual marketing of somebody else's product, somebody is looking for a business that will help to make their business successful. I think I think a nice entry into business for somebody that wanted to, you know, do it slowly is to go and sell somebody else's product, you know, on a commission-based scenario so that you get all of the upside. And I think that's a nice way to to start if you wanted to. That that kind of gets your foot in the door a little bit. Um, but ultimately, it's the businesses that can market that outperform the best ones. So you, the best business in the world is not necessarily going to be the biggest. It's the business that can tell its story and market the best that will always win. So you don't like if you if you're a plumber, you don't have to come up with a new way of doing plumbing. You've got to come up with a new delivery, or a, you just got to solve a bigger problem than everybody else and be able to market that difference. And if you do that, you'll have a really big plumbing business and not necessarily a better one. You just got to be able to deliver it faster, quicker, cheaper, something like that. And it, you know you haven't reinvented the wheel; you've just reinvented the way that you communicate a story to a client. Where's what I like about the conversations we've had in the past is the way that you can very nicely straddle this whole idea of what it is to be a Christian and what it is to be a person in business. Because just as we think of 
the church and we could say the clergy or the sacred and you can separate that from uh, the you know the the people who are out working in the real world in the real world marketplace uh, you can separate that and say well that's secular and that's sort of separate but really you've uh, you've got a tremendous way of straddling that and saying you're a christian but you've got a mission that god has placed in your heart and it's no less important than the person who is serving god in the church well, I think I think I think the reason uh, there is no separation in the new covenant. The old covenant there was sacred and secular. The new covenant there, there's no such thing. Jesus redeemed the whole thing, and so you know three percent of Christians are called to the, to serve in the vocational church. The other ninety seven are called to the marketplace. So if they were less important, we we would be in a much worse place than we are today. So the thing is, they're both exactly the same. Like the 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 business owner that runs the local corner fish and chip shop who's a christian is just as vital in the kingdom as the pastor who runs a mega church neither of them are less or more in terms of their godly assignment um it's just that in the marketplace we are transaction based church is donor based transaction based is much much harder in that respect you know you you've got to be relevant if you're not relevant in business you'll be run out of town in 5 minutes life Culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking about having an aspiration to be in business as a Christian believer. 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. We'll take some calls in just a few moments. Just before we do, Wes, you are about to embark on a tour where you're taking your business coaching on the road and you're looking to meet with people uh, in their towns and talk through issues to do with business and Christians getting into business. Uh, you're about to do that, and it's almost like uh, you're too young to have a grey nomad experience, but you're going to actually have a caravan on the back of the car and you're going to take the kids as well. Yeah, I mean, so the little backstory is my wife and I, Kimberly, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. We We were... We were trying to buy the 100-acre farm and settle down a little bit, and uh, God had a different plan. So literally from a period of time of like couldn't buy and find anything, we went from buying – we were looking for a 100-acre farm, and then we bought a 22-foot caravan. And uh, God really hassled us to then go to the people, and we're taking this message of kingdom business right across Australia to the big cities, the small cities, and the outback cities. Um, and, uh, and of course, like everything we do, we won't take an honorarium. We won't take a, a gift. We just want to come and train the entrepreneurs at home groups, churches, business groups right across the country, raising them up so we can use the collective smarts of the Aussie Christian entrepreneurs and collectively use that to take back culture. And the first leg of your tour is going to start from Brisbane and head north to Cairns and uh, all those towns and communities in between uh, for this first leg of the tour. You're, uh, you're in fact, inviting people, if, uh, if you'd like uh, to uh, set an appointment, set a date, uh, you're open to that. Definitely. So, I mean, we've just we've just thrown up uh, a website that basically says if you're interested, contact us and then we'll ring you and slot you into the, the, the tour as we go. And, um, you know, I mean, it's both scary and exciting at the same time to leave the comforts of home and go and do that. And uh, But if we're going to do it, we want to do it well. So, yeah, we, we are seeking those invitations from people right across Australia to say yes. And, uh, and the way to do that is to simply go to our website and register your interest. So you go to businessgreenhouse.com.au forward slash on tour. And, uh, and then there's a, there's a page there where you can just kind of say, listen, tell me more. And we'll give that address some more through our conversation. Let's take some calls. Ross is in Hamilton in Victoria. Hello, Ross. Welcome along to 2020. Ross, are you with us? 
Ross, something's happened. You might like to call us back, 1-800-316-316. Margaret is in Cleveland in Queensland. Hi, Margaret. Oh, good morning. I'm really enjoying the show. Thank you so much for um, having your guest on board. It's terrific to hear. Um, I've got a question. I was a finalist in the National Design Award, and um, with my idea, I went and saw an intellectual property lawyer as to how to launch it because I felt that it was there was... Um, it was a drink. It was a non-alcoholic drink aimed at kids and it had a quirk. It's got quirky stuff with it and blah, blah, blah. So um, I just was, um, I suppose I was by myself and um, the intellectual property lawyer said this might cost you in um, launching fees of law um, $12,000. So that sort of put me off and the sort of the flame died. But I can still see that there's a gap in the market for it and I think it's a great idea and the people that were on the judging panel were um, entrepreneurs and themselves, um, you know, well-known celebrities in uh, the design market. So I was pleased that I became um, a finalist in a National Design Award But and I'm a Christian so I was just wondering, I might slot into that um, business greenhouse slash... Um, the website you've got so to contact you please you'll be welcome to do that Margaret uh, businessgreenhouse.com.au but where's uh, your thoughts uh, for Margaret yeah Margaret great to hear from you uh, my, my first thing is that a trademark or is that a patent that you guys went for um, um, I think it was a patent okay cool um, now that, that that's because it has a secret formula I'm guessing in the makeup of the drink well, not really. It's a. I ran Coca Cola, and I found out what you know. I didn't obviously. I didn't get the recipe, but um, it was a standardised drink. But it was how it was marketed and packaged. Yeah. Cool. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give anybody twelve thousand dollars ever um, at the start of my journey. I would go and make sure that, that the customer wants it before I go and spend my money. Uh, I think the best thing that you could do right now is go and tell your story. Like, go and go and get some of these drinks together. Because at the moment, like, if you if you had plenty of capital, you would um, you'd protect it first and then go to market. If you don't, I, I would go to market, let the market tell me they want it, and then I would uh, I would uh, then go and use the money I've just made from the market to go and protect it because then it's actually worth something. I, I think sim- I think simply the best thing you could do is go and find a partner. Go find somebody that uh, that can help you launch it. If you've got a great product, you'd be better off to have fifty percent of something that flies than a hundred percent of something that doesn't. So I'd find a partner and I'd go and I'd go and I'd go and give it a red hot go. And how does someone find a partner? Cast your um, vision to everybody that will listen. If if okay. uh, you just got to tell everybody the big reason why you want to do what you're doing, not not even the fact that it's a drink as much as the real reason why you want to do it, like what's different about it, like, and you've got to you've got to tell that story to everybody. Um, if you know, if you go to the fridge and the light comes on, talk to it, tell it the story, every single person, and then somewhere in there, people will share it. And if God's in it, then there'll be a partner. I get it, and so therefore, that's step one. Step two would be, then I would have to package it, which wouldn't be too hard, but then I'd have to market it. But then I'm worried that if I launched a marketing campaign. Um, someone would pinch my idea, and then I'm done and dusted. People generally don't. Oh, well, they did with the Barbie dolls, though, didn't they, with um, Barbie? Mm. Oh, they've done well. Barbie's done incredibly well. Even though they might have been copied, they've done very, very well. 
I see. Okay, right. So it's basically, okay, it's a launch. It's obviously packaging, then the launch. Um, then, But then there's a fair little outlay of um, advertising, media, um, communications. It's yep. all about marketing, basically. Yep, that's business. And if you can market it, even, even an inferior product that's marketed well will sell. But I think that's where your partner should come in. Your partner will be the one that can bring the, the capital and the marketing smarts. I see, because I'm the ideas person I've found in life. But anyway, okay, well done. Look, I'm really enjoying listening to the program and all the very best to you and your caravan and your tour. And um, thank you so much. Margaret from Cleveland, thanks so much uh, for being part of 2020 today. And our talkback conversation continues after Vision National News. Uh, You might have your own thoughts. Uh, You might have a question for our special guest today, business coach Wes Hone. Uh, Wes also is the author of the book called Supernatural Business. I mentioned we'd we'd say his his website again in case you want to link him in to a gathering for the uh, the upcoming tour that he's doing, businessgreenhouse.com.au. We're back with more after Vision National News. Wes Hone, he's with Business Greenhouse. He's the founder of Business Greenhouse. He's one of Australia's leading business coaches. He's about to embark on a tour around Australia. The first leg of it is going to take him north from Brisbane up to Cairns in Queensland. And then he's going to be meeting with small groups, churches, men's ministries, people who will want to hear some insight into how to actually supercharge with some supernatural encounter in their business. A Christian business coach. If you'd like to be part of our conversation today, we are talking about having an aspiration to be in small business. You might have a business idea you'd like to run by our guest. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. Wes, let's talk about this uh, issue of having an aspiration because if we have an aspiration, somewhere along the line we want to be successful. And success looks different when you look at definitions uh, when you are a Christian. Tell me about success and what we ought to be thinking about success as Christian believers. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And there are there are hundreds of definitions of success and we've got ours and everybody else has got theirs. And uh, I, I think I, I really like the definition of it's simply obedience. Uh, and that's not the one that we teach, but I like it. It's just a little bit ambiguous. I like to break success down into five areas. I think success is balancing faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. I think if we can Im- incorporate all of those things into our life, um, you know, and make sure that we're growing in those five areas, then I think that is success in terms of how do you string together a successful life. Um, and obviously finance is one area when it comes to business. You know, we've, we've got to make sure that we are increasing in our knowledge in finance and, uh, and, 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 and aiming for finance. I'm going to say striving, but I didn't want to upset too many people. But as an entrepreneur, you need to strive for finance. You've got to strive for profit. Ultimately, we'll all stand before God, and we hope to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I suspect that the ultimate success is to hear those words, which might not happen in this life. But 
In the meantime, we're given these gifts, we're given these talents, we're given capacity to be able to serve God. Not everybody is going to be a preacher in the sense of someone who stands on a platform, preaches the gospel, there's an altar call and thousands come forward for salvation. But there are people who are in partnership with with what's happening in the gospel. They are equally a part of the process that is to be successful where the kingdom of God counts. Definitely. And, you know, Jeremiah 29, we all know, 29 and 11, is that he has a plan for us. And, and the, when I dig deep into that, I, I kind of see that he, he created us, he, he kind of put together a, a wireframe DNA inside of us before we were even born. And, of course, our job is to discover what he put inside of us, those gifts, those talents, those, those things that come natural to some and not the others. And once you work out what those things are, it's kind of a bit more simple to work out what you're called to do with your life or the assignment on your life. And uh, and if you if you can draw on those gifts and talents and execute on those doing your assignment, I reckon you're going to hear the words "good and faithful servant." You know, like I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's that hard. I, I think I think it just needs a little bit of thought. What's God already put inside of me? What do I find easy that others find hard? Go and put those to use so that society is better in some way, and uh, and 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 you'll hear those words. You know what I think is important when we talk about an aspiration to be in small business, and we might be talking to people who have an aspiration they haven't got started yet. Uh, For whatever reason that might be, they haven't made the start. And getting things right at the foundation is going to affect the way the business begins to unfold. And if you start without your basis for your Christianity uh, as part of the values and the ethics that you'll have in business. Your business is going to look a whole lot different. But if you start with those Christian values at the base, the Christian business is going to grow in a significant way and it's going to look like what God wants it to look like. Absolutely. And it's 180 degrees from what you'll read in any um, you know worldly business book. I think a lot of people are of the mind of, well, when the business is bigger, I'll give back. And that's not the way God wants us to do it. He's like, let's let's build this business on a couple of things. One of them is radical intimacy with the Lord. We've got to, we've got to create that time in our week, every single week, whether it be, you know, three hours a morning or whether it be half a day or a full day a week. We've got to build our business based on that intimacy with the Lord. That's when we get the direction. That's when we get the shortcut. That's when we get the you know, the, 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 the secret garden path to making it uh, easier and quicker. So if, it, if it's not built on that intimacy, it, it's very, very difficult to, to bring in supernatural. Uh, but secondly, I think our businesses need to be set up in such a way that, that even when it's small and, and it's absolute infancy, society has to benefit in some way. There's got to be, you've got to be using your business to execute on your assignment from the start. Not when it gets bigger, I'll give, or not when it gets bigger, I'll help out. It's I'll help out from the beginning and that'll that'll incline God to be part of my business, and then it's going to grow really big in a short amount of time. Enlarge for us, uh, we've talked before, but it's worth mentioning again, this idea of having an assignment. And the assignment is an assignment that comes from God. And actioning that assignment, how does this happen, Wes? Uh, looking for a bright flash of light uh, and being, you know, having this sort of uh, somehow or other a God encounter that says, uh, I'm, I'm aware of which way I'm supposed to go because I've had this burst of inspiration. How does, uh, how does that assignment settle in your heart uh, so that you know that that's something that you ought to mm. pursue because you believe you've heard from God? And it's a big topic. And so, I mean, 
it's not as complex as I, I think it can be made out to be. Like like I said before, God puts inside of us some things that we are good at and other people aren't. Like some people are gifted singers, right? And I'm terrible. You know, I, I'll give it everything I've got in the shower, but it's never public, right? <laughs> yeah. So it just wasn't something God gave me, you know. And uh, but, but I can read a financial statement of a listed company and absolutely just really enjoy that process, whereas most people that would cure insomnia. So everybody's a little bit different. So so how do we work it out? Well, we look at what God gave us. We look at what we're quite good at, and then we, we go and get started on that. Like the questions that I would be asking, you know, my clients when they ask these kind of questions is, what's the thing that burns your heart the most? You know, you know. If, so for me, just to give you an example, the things that really cut me are homelessness. I don't know why, but that really hurts me. So does this eye, eye disease called trachoma that indigenous people get. They're not even closely linked. And thirdly, the thing that cuts me the most is Christian entrepreneurs that have the power of the kingdom behind them and don't use it to the full extent. So they're really wide. They're really varied. But my number one pulls me forward. And then I think I think it's it's as simple as getting started in a really small way. You've just got to get started in a very, very micro way and let God grow that thing over time and be afraid to get it wrong. You can start pursuing one assignment and God will move you 180 degrees to the right one. But it's when we don't do anything, we just think about it, that we go nowhere. What do you think of the idea of having an aspiration as a Christian in business, but feeling as though you have to work in an area, and you mentioned a few things like a homelessness or or people of, uh, you know, eye disabilities and all sorts of things that might be, uh, in a sense, uh, the sorts of uh, things that you might expect a Christian ministry type of a role to be engaged in. But you wouldn't like to limit Christian business to just having some way of of focusing on some areas that need financial support. Uh, Really, as you say, uh, don't be too romantic about what you choose uh, because you're there to actually make a profit. Uh, making the profit then, I guess, is how you can actually support those sorts of things. Yeah, and there's and there's obviously more to business than profit. I mean, profit's a wonderful thing. If you're not making it, you're running a hobby. Um, and so, you know, that can be quite expensive to run that kind of hobby. Um, so you've got to make a profit and use that profit to look after yourself and your family for a few generations and then give the rest away. Um, but your business in and of itself is valuable to society because it employs people, pays their mortgages. You can speak into the lives of your staff. You can help them along the life journey. You can, for example, employ people who are, you know, maybe disabled, but you can give them the dignity of work and things like that. So business in and of itself is very, very valuable to society. Then the profits that get thrown off can be used, you know, to, to be Jesus in some way. And of course, being a person who is in business and having people who work for you as staff, uh, they may be the people that are being supported in some sense because they might have their own aspirations for ministry roles, but you're helping to actually form that financial base as they serve in your business. You're actually helping to serve the Lord uh, through their own gifts and talents. Yeah, and so that's why I guess I say the assignment is very broad. It, it, for everybody, it's different. Just like just like Esther was, you know, become the queen to save the Jews from King Xerxes, and Paul was to take the gospel all the way to Caesar, and Jesus was to reconcile man. And you know, it, you know, Moses get my people out of Egypt. Like every all those all those assignments are very unique. But um, but we have one too as individuals, and we've got to tap into it and start it small. And uh, when we start doing our assignment, it's the safest place in terms of you know spiritual warfare. Doing your assignment is the is the safest place from God's perspective. And so when we do that and we execute on that, watch what he does in our lives. It's sensational. 
Our talkback line is open. You might have your own aspiration to talk about. You're welcome to give us a call on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own insights about Christians in business, in a dog-eat-dog world, in a world that is increasingly, and that's not just a, uh, a perception, there are statistics that would show that things are becoming lo- less uh, Uh, less orderly and even more corrupt. Uh, You might like to be part of our conversation to talk about your own insights into business in Australia, business globally, and what role you think Christians might have in business. Wes, let's talk about money for a moment. Uh, Money is is one of the things that is on our mind when we're thinking about business. Uh, The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so, therefore, there would be some who would be thinking, it's a little bit uh, iffy, it's a little bit risky. If I go into business, I might be dirtying my hands by getting involved with money. But but uh, there is a Christian attitude to how we ought to be thinking about money, and it's not that we ought to be thinking about having a lack of it. Mm. Well, I personally love money, and, uh, and, and I love it for a bunch of reasons. I love it when I can take my family on a ski trip and you know, spend the time with my girls, and I love it when I can buy a caravan and go around Australia and take the gospel. The thing we've got to bear in mind is in this day and age, we have one we have one meaning for the word love, and we throw it out for everything. We love that color on our friend. We love the weather today. We love the new coffee we just had. We love church this morning, and we love our puppy dog. Whereas in the original text, they didn't. They had a, at least four levels of love. And the love that, it, you know, and, and from a friendship love to a passionate love to a I would die for you love. And the love that it's referring to in the scripture is that I would die for you love. And of course, you can't, and which is reserved for Christ. The one he gave us is the one he wants back. So of course, we cannot have a competing love for money that we have a love for Christ, but we can have a inferior level of love for money, and it's perfectly healthy. If you're an entrepreneur and you're not wired for finance, like, like pushing for more finance, it just won't work. It's got to be something inside of you, which is why there's many other scriptures in the Bible that warn against it. You know, for example, it says it's harder for a rich man to enter, you know, than the camel goes through the eye of a needle. And all it's saying is it's harder. It's not saying you shouldn't have money. It's just saying be really careful because there's lots of things that will throw you off when you make money. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's hear from Kevin in Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Kevin. Welcome along. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? Very well. That's good. What are your thoughts, Kevin? Uh, Kevin here. Um, with business, now I'm just um, just trying to work out when, you know, how do I word it? Um, when God's opening a door for business and when it closes. My story was I went out and um, purchased 50 um, chickens for free-range egg production. Um, came to point of lay and four months after point of lay, no eggs. <laughs> I was, I'd spent almost $1,500 to that point to feed them, purchasing the birds, and I got got nothing back. And um, it, that, that quite hurt me quite a bit to, to the point where I actually got on my knees and I, um, I asked God to, um, to do a miracle. And the crazy thing was um, that got the guy asked to pray for my chooks randomly from Pakistan. He prayed middle of the day. Ten minutes later, I got a dozen eggs. Wow. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just crazy, and they haven't stopped laying since. Um, and they were really good quality eggs. But my thought was back then was like, is this God closing this door for me for this business? But then that miracle came about, and and I've had passion for egg production ever since. Kevin, that because- is a wonderful testimony. 
That, yeah. Your thoughts, Wes? Oh, oh, Matt, I love that story, Kevin. You know, and uh, and I think anybody that gets full on like mad for Jesus will experience something similar. Um, in my experience, God is not bipolar, so He doesn't say open a door and then shut it. You know, ninety days later, just because it's because it's not working. When when He opens a door, He opens a door, and it, you know, it's not for us to decide the rest. You know, we've just got to walk, you know, passionately forward and, and executing the best we can with everything we've got to do it. And like you saw, if you gave up one week earlier, you'd have a hard luck story. But one week later, you have got a supernatural story of the goodness of God. And and that's going to keep you going for the next decade. You know, so 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 that's what I like. God doesn't open a door and then close it five minutes later just because it doesn't work out. He's always got a plan. Kevin, thank you so much for your input today. And 1-800-316-316, you might have your own question. You might have an insight. You might have an amazing testimony like the one that Kevin just shared. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Ross in WA. Hi, Ross. Welcome along. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very well. Uh, um, I'm uh, living in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a reasonable-sized country town here in the West. And I don't know whether Wes is coming over to the West because everybody from the East seems to think the West is too far, but maybe he's going to come over here. I'm not sure. I think you need to make a, a formal invitation. I reckon he's going to respond in the positive. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking now, at him smiling. Yeah, right. Now, just to just to put you in the picture, I'm 70 going on 71 years of age. I've uh, worked for the biggest mining company in the world, which is BHP and the management side. And that gave me a great insight to things. But when Wes was talking about the business, I think the the most important thing I found is if you've got to do your due diligence. If you don't do that and get that organised, um, it can run into a an absolute um, schmozzle. And it's one of those things I think that you need you need to do before you do anything. The ideas are great. I live in this country town, and I'm looking at trying to get a group here together to put in turnkey operations. Now, by that I mean we are in a in a very um, fortunate rural area where we've got uh, we're we're 200 kilometres away from Perth and we've got sheep and wheat and everything else. With the turnkey operations, you've got to start using what you've got available here to you. Now, I'm talking about sheep, you know, for a, a turnkey operation with an abattoir that sells specialty meats. So it goes on and so it goes on. And I think these are the things that people in the bush today have got to look at because the Lord's given us these um, these opportunities to do, and if we don't do them, he's he's going to say, when you said, uh, uh, well, and a uh, good and faithful servant, you've done well. Well, I think that refers basically to the amount of people we've got to come to the Lord. Now, if that doesn't happen, um, I think we're in that invidious situation where you think, should I have done more or, or could I have done more? And I think it's one of those things that you've got to look at. And at 71 years of age and... Uh, I'm starting to think maybe I've um, gone over the hill, but I have been in business for myself for, for many years as well. And uh, it's really only the faith in the Lord that keeps you going. I'm convinced of that. Ross, let's get some thoughts from Wes. Ross, great to talk to you. First and foremost, I've been to Western Australia nine times in the last 18 months on my own dime, free, training as many people as I can get my hands on. 
So um, that's uh, I don't know why I just felt the Lord say West Australia, and I have found them to be one of the most receptive bunches of people in the entire planet. And I think it's because no one wants to go that when somebody makes the effort, they really appreciate it. So I'll be back over there next week. I'll be running a couple of day training with our clients over there next week. I'm a regular. I'll be there. I'm booked in at least four more times in the next twelve months to come to West Australia. That's without the caravan. Oh, um, but but, no, um, but I agree with due diligence. You know, like the Bible says. You know, what kind of person goes to build a tower and doesn't first run away and, and do the maths, lest when they build it, it's not quite right and they look like a fool in front of their friends. And and that's ultimately what happens when you don't do due diligence, you you know. And due diligence doesn't it's – not, it's not a big thing. If you're starting a lawnmower business, you just need to do some due diligence. You know, what equipment do you need? What How many kind of clients do you need? Like at what point are you going to become profitable and, and, you know, and knowing those numbers? And when you do, life gets a lot easier. Well, I think it's. Uh, I learned that in the in the mining business because we used to have to do. It was virtually due diligence, but it was uh, coming in, come came under budgeting. I mean, we had had to work with the idea: did we sell forty five, or did we mine forty five million tons a year, or did we go to fifty? And so it went on. And I'm talking about the seventies now and into the eighties, when there was virtually only two people in it. That was BHP and um, and uh, Hammersley Iron. So they were the they were the big ones uh, that were in there, and that's what they were doing. And if you look at that today, and what they're doing today, it's just unbelievable. But then again, the price has completely dropped out of the market, because when I was there for the whole time I was with BHP, the uh, the price on iron ore was seventy US dollars a ton, and it never shifted. And look at it today; it's all over the place. So that'll give you an idea of how things change yeah. over the years, and uh, and how it can affect you, because there's a lot of people that have set up businesses. On the coattails of the mining boom over here, and look what's happened now. The mining boom, I think, is down to 50-something dollars a tonne. Well, Ross, uh, great getting your insights today, and thank you so much for making the call and being part of 2020. And we have time for one more quick call. Jonathan is in WA in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Yeah, hello. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, my thought is... uh you know, the Bible says, Seek ye for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. So as a children of God, God to ought to live a right life, but he gives us everything that we need to look for the business. If we don't get involved in business, then we'll get in the hand of the wicked people who don't manage their money properly. And our children, children will work with the wicked that we don't want to work with. So it's good for Christians to get involved and be faithful to their God in their giving, and they'll have a business, and they'll have asset over their children, and their children will work in that business. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, great thoughts there. What are your thoughts, Wes? Well, I agree. I think that's everything we've just said. You know, we, we, like the, my whole message on this whole business thing is is seek first. Let's do it God's way from the beginning, and let's him add the, the super to our natural. Jonathan from Perth in WA, thank you so much for your input, and time is almost run out. Let's come back to uh, your tour. Uh, your tour is from the Gold Coast north to Cairns. You're getting underway in just a few weeks' time. Uh, you've mentioned, too, you're doing a few little uh, uh, excursions to Western Australia. Nine, I think, did you say in the last short while? Uh, well, I'm sure that there are going to be people in WA who are going to be saying, I need to get to one of these uh business greenhouse uh, opportunities people linking with you and uh, and registering their 
their thoughts about maybe Wes Hone will come and speak to my men's group or uh, let's not leave the ladies out of this, uh, a ladies group. Uh, They can just go onto your website and there's a place there they can register. Yeah, so it's simply just go to our main website, businessgreenhouse.com.au forward slash on tour, O-N-T-O-U-R, on tour. And uh, you can read up a little bit more. There's a video of me and my wife kind of talking about what we're doing. And uh, and then simply there's a field there where you can put in your name, your number, and the town. And uh, and I'll just call and say, listen, you know, let me find out a bit more about it and uh, and book you in for when we're coming past. Uh, so it is a matter of a little bit orderly there. You do need to get some bookings in advance. But as you say, when you arrive, you're actually not going to ask for any sort of special honorarium and, uh, you know, pay lots of money to have this business coaching. But uh, people will be able to really benefit from the insights they'll receive when they uh, when they gather around, and it's a Wes Hone opportunity. Yeah, and it's not that we won't ask; we won't even receive one. You know, God's very clear about how we are to do this, and we are fully funded ourselves. We make our money in the marketplace. We don't need it from church or, or groups like that. And uh, we just want to go and we want to train. And and ultimately, Australia is at a tipping point. We need more Christian entrepreneurs focused, united with one common vision, and that is to use business to take back culture. And that's the entire reason why I would give up the luxury of home and live in a caravan. Well, you've heard it straight from Wes's own lips. There are no catches. If you'd like Wes Hone to come to your community, and we're talking maybe anywhere in Australia, and that's a big ask because we're into some pretty isolated places, and you might think, I'm in an isolated place. Would Wes Hone come here if I got a few business people together and to talk about business? Well, I think you should test the waters and see whether Wes will respond in the affirmative. I suspect he will. Go to business greenhouse.com.au Wes Hone. Great getting your insights as usual. Let's do this again sometime soon. Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.